1: Seventy guys! Oh my gosh! Of the Business Breakthrough Podcast, and my guest today is super awesome. He and I have been hitting it off for a while. Please welcome to the show, Tony Watley. Hey, Tony! Bestie
0: welcome, welcome! Thank you for having me on your show and that nice welcome.
1: Well, I'm so excited to have you guys. So, Tony's super fun. Okay, and um, here's here's just a little bit about Tony. He became known as the side hustle millionaire after his book with the same title became a number one bestseller on Amazon. But the title isn't just fiction, it's based on his actual story. Would you like to know how to make millions of dollars as a side hustle? Yeah, me too. So Tony once led a successful corporate career for over 25 years, but that is less interesting than the side business he created, which generates millions in profit. I'm sorry, let's just clarify. Profit, the money in your pocket. Mm -hmm. As an active entrepreneur himself, he still owns a few businesses, but his real passion is teaching entrepreneurs how to start, scale, and sell their businesses with his consulting brand, 365 Driven. Tony, I'm so excited to dive into all this with you.
0: I know, because I know your listeners are listening to that intro and they're probably thinking, this is a bunch of... No,
1: (laughs) no, no, no. Because they know that I would never bring someone who's on the show.
0: That's right. That's right. You know what? And you do your due diligence. I dare everybody to go Google me and look me up because I've been on the internet since since 96. I got nothing to hide. So. I challenge you. I challenge you.
1: And I think that's a big struggle, by the way. Before we even dive in, like, let, let's just mention that for a second. Because there are so many fakers out there, so many millionaires teaching you how to be a millionaire when you get the legit one. It's like, how do, how do we know? Like, how do we know? So first of all, if you're listening to my show and he's on my show, yeah, legit. Um, but in general, like it's a tough world out there.
0: You know, and I would be lying if I told you that watching all this fakery go on on social media for the last probably four or five years, if that wasn't a motivator for me to actually throw my hat into the ring and actually show people how to do things the right way, that I would be lying because it it was a motivator. I I cannot stand when people teach people to do things they've never done or not even attempted. You know, if you've attempted and failed, you still have more viable experience than someone that just says like, hey, I'm going to make you rich by... I'm a I'm gonna teach you how to do business and the only business they have is to teach other people to do business. Totally. Like that's, that's totally. A, this
1: is this is like, my God. issue with marketing. Also, like marketing people who their only marketing is to tell you how to do marketing. Um, <laughs> but, but they've
0: they never marketed themselves at the same not even they're not even using their own suggestions a lot of times.
1: Yeah, they don't they don't uh all the charlatans, they make me insane. Yeah. For sure. Although I actually had someone ask me in my early days, to be fair, he's like, Well, if you're so good at building businesses, why don't you build your own? I'm like, what what does it look like I do?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like
1: my business is building businesses. Um, but I did also have my own like dozen or so side hustles that were successful beforehand. So it's fair. Exactly. So, but your your side hustle, like mine were like child play, literally, like I did from the time I was a kid. You turned your car passion into millions of dollars. What what was that?
0: I'll tell you, it was it was child's play too. How's that feel? Because <laughs> I was just playing with cars. I was just playing with cars online, is what I was doing. And and so the first company I started was in 2001, and it was pre-social media. So we actually had to knock on doors and cold call and cold email these people to become advertisers. But what I built was an online community. I love communities. I'm a community builder. So what I've sort of come to understand that who I am, I built a very massive community that was based on General Motors performance cars. So the Chevrolets, Cadillacs, Pontiacs, all the Camaros, Firebirds, Corvettes. I built an online community based around those vehicles so people could hang around on online and talk about their cars and talk about racing and talk about building cars and how-to articles and things like that. And it grew into the largest one on the internet. So we had, when I sold the website in 2007, which became the Side Hustle Millionaire, there was about 160,000 registered members, and we had over 100,000 unique visitors per day, which is a massive amount of traffic. It's like a small city walking through the front door of your business. And so that attracted a lot of advertising revenue. And then I had spinoffs from that because there was a lot of people back in the early 2000s that did not have a website yet. So I had all these parts manufacturers, I had all these performance shops, car dealerships, a lot of them just weren't online yet. So we basically said, well, what if we turn keyed this for you and built your website for you? And then you could use that to advertise on our website. See what I mean? So I was building customers on this three tiered, do it for you type business model and I had about 75 freelancers at the time. So I'd farm all this stuff out and I was making money off of their effort and paying them for what they were doing for me. And it really just scaled and got out of hand. And that was, it was fun. You know, so, so, although this website we were making about $400,000 a year profit i was only spending about less than an hour per day working on it
1: oh wow but well, where was all the profit coming from like where where was the money piece
0: advertising revenue so we even had wow. general motors cadillac chevrolet all these big banners and and videos coming out and yeah, we just had a lot of eyeballs. With that, amount of, with that amount of traffic, we were basically like Google machine, you know, we're basically just- I hear. So were putting... these
1: direct brand um, contracts or this was through Google AdWords? Was Google AdWords around in 2001?
0: Google AdWords was, but we never put those on our website because we didn't want to depreciate the quality of the experience for the users. The users okay. were there for free. right? So we treated them as customers basically because we had their attention. We knew that we could place ads in front of them and make a lot of money. So the Google ads- this is how, how much we like the quality. We would have already calculated, we would have made about $200,000 profit extra per year had we embedded Google Ads into our website. But we were already making a lot of profit and we are like, you know, I know people complain about those, we don't want them on our website. So when we ended up selling the website, the owners did put the Google Google AdWords on there, but you know, that's fine because they, they, they dealt with the, the fallback from that and the pushback from that. It's like we just didn't want to carve into that experience because to me, integrity of the community, means far more than the dollars. If you're serving things, that's why we built it. We treated it like a really legitimate company. I had one business partner in Chicago, I'm in Houston, and we just tried to treat it like a business. We didn't pay ourselves the first two years while we were building it. It was already making six figures. We were investing in marketing. And then the other aspect of it, we started having community-based events. So around the country would have these racing events to draw people out of the woodworks, get them off their computers to come meet other people from the community, build lifelong friendships, start to have these weaves of different racing events around. We did four events per year. We were funding that. We had advertising dollars, sponsors, ticket tickets, uh, making admission at the gates. So it started generating a lot of money for fun. You know, just a bunch of car people hanging out talking about cars.
1: It's so genius. I love it. But how'd you get? So I think a lot of people are listen to this and they'd be like, "But how do I get the car people to advertise with me?" Like, just call them up. Hey, I got a website with a bunch of visitors. Want to advertise with me? Like, who do you get? I know my clients say to me, "Like, I want to get into this store. I want to get this person?" Like, how did you? How did you get the brand marketers? Like, how'd you get them?
0: You have to have the audience before you can start to monetize it. It's just like social media nowadays. People try to get followers and try to build their audience size. You're on LinkedIn and doing things, and you're trying to build your audience. You start to gain more influence, and then now you can start to monetize things. But a lot of times people try to monetize too early and they become wishy-washy and they I not built the credibility, they haven't built the trust yet, so they lose the audience. So be willing to go in one to two years really all out and build the audience. Nowadays, your social media, your following, and think about monetizing, but how do you do that? So what we did is we did giveaways. Because we knew based on the server logs back then, we could see who logged into their actual account to use the website and we could see who was just browsing but never registered for an account. And honestly, it was about 50% of people just surfed but didn't register. So we didn't have their contact information, did not have their email address, all that. So we started doing giveaways. We said, hey, we have these sponsors. What if we can give away car parts or gift certificates from these sponsors to get people to register? So we would say like, every month we're going to give away a $250 gift certificate to any sponsor on our site. And there was probably 15 of them at the time. And basically that was a win, 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 because it, it made them registered to the site. The sponsor got noted, you know, basically mentioned a bunch of times and then the person that registered to whoever won would get the parts. So it was Super a, it was a great, great, great reciprocal thing. Reciprocity is what a big thing. So when you build a community, sometimes you just do giveaways for the first six months. I've seen people on, Instagram but doing Instagram, this like, is
1: all they do collaboration. Yeah, yeah. that's all give, they.
0: Do. I'm giving away AirPods. I'm going to give away this <laughs> MP3 thing. I'm going to give away a free app but whatever it is. So it's not related. Really, it's
1: not, not related. I love yours because it's related to your audience. It's car parts. Mm-hmm. It's related to the thing. When I see these giveaways on Instagram, it's like, hey, we bought an iPad. <laughs>
0: you know, like <laughs>
1: we're we're a, a makeup facility and we go to it like
0: what? But it, but it works. But it works. You know, it and, does and that's, work. But and it's not a it
1: brand. It irritates me. But it, I know it but it works that appears how'd you get the sponsors though did you knock on someone's door and say hey
0: Absolutely. You've got a community
1: of oh okay great
0: we, we went we went to where our sponsors hung out which was the magazines at the time and maybe some other forums that were just coming out and so we said where is our audience at okay it's these automotive magazines so my partner now we would divide and conquer we would look up a magazine you go call these 20 people today and we'll go call these 20 advertisers today so we're calling them up and and a lot of them were like, oh, well, we don't have a website. And we're like, well, hey, I can build you a website. And no one charge them to do that. So I basically got an upsell on them right at the beginning. So I I, yeah, I built over 100 websites myself before I started farming them out.
1: Oh, and wow. That's that a was, lot. That was harder. 000, there, was no I... Word,
0: there was no WordPress back then. I was coding them. I was laying them out on Photoshop, slicing, making the buttons, making it all functional. So like a, a three to five page website back then was probably taking me 15 hours to make Oh wow! Nowadays, you could do it in an hour. <laughs>
1: totally. Yeah, I built my first website. I think it was in 2003, but it was with one of the first um, like interactive builders.
0: Or like a one in one, like a WYSIWYG. Free we webs, it. which oh, now yeah. is called Webs. Yeah, I remember. Which I that. Bought
1: by VistaPrint. Yeah, but in the early days, it was called Free Webs. I remember mm-hmm. finding it. I remember I taught myself HTML and I built my first website. It was probably about 2003. Yeah. That's it. I actually
0: taught myself HTML with a book. I bought something and then I got Notepad and I would practice it and look at it in the browser. And then that's how I taught myself how to make web pages.
1: Totally. Yeah. That's actually how I ended up learning um, VBA and um, and database um, building. I, I went to, go. I literally went to Barnes & Noble. I bought two books. <laughs> I, yep. reading I, think, I think those
0: books are still back here on my shelf. Yeah. yeah and it, and that, I
1: feel like I want to tell the audience people just, you know, like, w- Tony and I, we're not bragging. I want you to understand, like, this is just literally what you do when you want to build a business. You don't need money. You just need to be resourceful.
0: That's Yeah, it. be willing to learn and, and find the answers. Nowadays, it's a lot easier. Like so today, psh, it's never been easier to be an entrepreneur. Never. So there's no excuses, really.
1: No, but I think what happens is because it's so easy, people think it's even easier than it really is. And then when it's a little bit hard, like, oh, Oh, I wasn't expecting it to be hard. Oh, never mind.
0: I think starting any company is going to be hard the first two years. And that's only because you're trying to build your brand awareness, you're trying to get more market share, you're trying to get your name out there, and you're doing a lot of things wrong because you haven't asked the right questions from the right people. And you learn these lessons as you go. But I think the first one year, for sure, you're going to be putting in the work. So, you know, you and I talked before we fired up the microphones about the hustle and grind. You know, that's actually legit the first year. But after that, if you built the right business model and put the systems in place, you could be able to step away from that. And sometimes it's fully automated at some point and you don't have to do any of it at all.
1: Totally. And it depends what you're trying to build. Like, yeah, we, before we put that mic up, I was talking about a client who, uh, you know, found himself not busy suddenly. <laughs> but that's because we scaled him up. We got the systems in place. We got the other people working for him. And suddenly he's like, I see, I got, I got free time. I- I'm nervous. And I'm like, Dude, but, but you're earning more money, right? He's like, Yeah, but I, I'm free. I'm like, Go to the beach. <laughs>
0: like, <it's laughs> go, summer. go to the gym. Go drive your car. Go ride a bicycle. Go get a yeah, dog. Just do something.
1: Fun. Exactly. And people get, I think that it, it comes in like these flip ways. Like, either people don't realize they're going to have to do that hustle to get it off the ground. And then they get stuck when they have to, or they get so stuck in the hustle, they never get out of it.
0: I think, it's, I think it's a remnant of the employee mindset that your client was probably experiencing because a lot of times we think that we have to trade our hours for dollars. That's a self-limiting belief. That's something we're usually raised with. Our parents are teaching us. Our Teachers are teaching that. or professors are teaching us that. And when you're not using your hours, air quotes, productively, you think that you're not working and that you, know, you start to lose self-worth because that's the way you were taught. Like, Hey, if you got to go work 50 hours a week to make a living, you got to get that steady job. And, and then here you have this online business that's scaling itself. And it's basically being done by employees or, or staff and you start to find all this extra time, but then you feel like you're not contributing enough to the company. See, that's the employee mindset tugging at you. Like trying to bring you back to average and you know what, go find something that you enjoy. Cause you know what, anyone that tells me like, I love my job. I, I, I kind of, Yeah, I think you can enjoy what you do, but I think I can enjoy 10 other things more than any job. Totally.
1: Totally. Totally. Yeah. And, and again, I talk a lot about, you should do what you love, right? Like, so you took this, so second, I was like, I want to understand this journey a little more. Cause we, mm-hmm. we can totally talk about all this stuff forever. I want to know where you came from. Like, what were you doing that you were like, Hey, I'll just build a car website. Hey, let's get sponsors. Hey, we're earning millions of dollars. Cool. You know, and then you sold it and you moved on. Like wh- where did you come from? <laughs> How did this whole thing even like happen? Where'd you get into business from?
0: So this is, I've always been an entrepreneur even since I was a child. When I was 12, I was pushing the lawnmower around the neighborhood, knocking on doors with tall grass, asking if I could mow the yard for 10 bucks. And then if they say no, I'd say, can I wash your car for five bucks? And so I was really used to doing that because we didn't have money. My parents were both blue collar. My mom worked in the public school system in the cafeteria. My dad was in the military, got out, worked in the chemical refineries here in Houston his entire career. So they're both very hardworking, blue collar, disciplined people. My mom's Japanese, very, very disciplined on education because she didn't get that as a woman in Japan. And I never missed a day of school. I went through kindergarten to graduation without missing a single day of school. She valued the education. We moved to a small town that had a good school system that we could barely afford to live there because they wanted to have a good public school for me and my sister to attend. Now, entrepreneurship definitely doesn't run in the family both sides of my family and there was nobody that's ever even been to college until I did. I went to college, I got a mechanical engineering degree. I paid for it myself. I was working the chemical refineries at age 18 through 25 and that's how oh, I paid for ah. college. So um, it took me seven years to graduate because I was going to school at nighttime. I was waiting tables on the weekend and what happened is, SD I got the degree and I graduated in 2008. I'm sorry, 98. That was the business. So 98 I graduate and basically, I was getting home at 5 p.m. And I was like, wow, this is this is weird. Like, I'm not used to this. Like, I'm used to working and going to school and coming home at like 2 in the morning and taking a four-hour nap and then restarting the day. And it felt like that 40-hour week was a part-time job to me. So I said, I can do more. I'm not living the lifestyle that I want. I still have some student you know, loan debt that I need to get through. And what can I do instead of sitting on the couch watching TV like most people? So you know what I did? I was that engineer that would get home from my – pretty good engineering salary job change into my apron and go wait tables at the restaurant that I used to manage on the evenings to go pick up an extra hundred bucks and I did that every night on the weekends I would go work in a performance shop and work on cars during the day then I would go back to the restaurant at night work some more so yeah you're starting to hear like these things about being a workaholic but the thing is the reality was that I did not have the life that I wanted so I had no other choice to go do something about it And I was in that employee mindset, still thinking I gotta go trade hours for dollars. That's all I knew, is like, go get another job. We'll go get two more jobs. I was working three jobs. (laughs) Go get as many jobs as you
1: can until there's no more hours left in the day, and then you're doing everything you can.
0: It's crazy, you know, and it was actually, I can't remember if it was the, the comedy show Living Color. I think it was back then. It was back in like the early 90s. And there was a skit from this middle eastern family or something or it was a jamaican family i can't remember it's been so long ago but they that was the whole joke is they would be like i got five jobs i got six jobs and they were always like one up in each other like oh man i work in 10 jobs and it was just a funny skit but i'm watching it going that's kind of me i don't know if that's funny or not that's that's me and and the thing is if you want to become successful you've got to swallow your pride you got to push aside the ego And do the things that most people won't do to get the results that they don't have. Because there's a lot of people that would have graduated engineering school and said, Well, hell no, I'm not going to go wait tables. I'm better than that. I'm an engineer. And I guarantee I was probably earning more than most of the people I served. But to me, it was like, I don't have the life I want. How do I get there? I need more money to do that. How do I get more money? Well, I'll just get another job or I'll just do this thing. So eventually that led to. I'm going to start a business. Let me try to that. Let me try to do that for the first time. And that was in 2001.
1: And that's when, uh, that's when you started this car thing. So you started it with it in mind to be a business.
0: Yes, absolutely. Cause we had already seen what was available on the market. There was another website that we were actually frequenting and they weren't doing a good job of keeping the hosting up and it kept getting deleted by the server. So we said, you know, we're here, we are wasting these hours on this other site. That's not really being a good steward for the information that we're creating for them. So we approached the owner and we said, hey, you're going to love this. We're saying, Hey, we know that you got advertisers. We can see the 20 advertisers. Some of them we know So we know what you charge them per month. We know what a server costs per month. So here, here you are making basically <laughs> 90% profit margin and you're not paying your server bill. Like what's up with that? And And the guy, and we were the most, supportive members that he had is basically like if you had an all-star team of supporters and they came to you and had a concern and, and you're supposed to listen to it with positive feedback and be constructive. But what he did, is he challenged us. He's like, if you guys think you could do a better job, go start your own. <laughs> Here's, that, that's, a, that's a huge lesson for anyone listening to this. If you own something and you got top level employees or top level audience or fan base, never, ever, ever challenge them to go do something better than you because those are the kind of people that will go do it just to prove you wrong. And that's who I am.
1: Totally, and you did, and you probably took over the whole market.
0: Oh, all of of it. Yeah, he basically became a shadow of his former business self after that, and we became number one. So it's- Did he ever come back
1: to you? I'm so curious. Yeah,
0: Yeah, this is even funnier because even about a year in, well, the first time he said, he said that, and we started building, and then we built one, and you know, a couple months later, we crossed paths again online, and, uh, and he, he says, well, when you guys have more followers or more members, which I think at his time was like 10,000 at the time, he goes, then you could tell me how to run a business. So within one year, we'd already crested that, and I made sure to send him an email with a screenshot and said, hey, I, we have more members than you now. Can you? Can we tell you how to run your business? He <laughs> was kind of like, through you, and then you know, basically, we just buried him from that point on. So it was it was fun, but... We would have never created that website had he just done something about it. He had the, the, the leaders, the essential leaders of his group coming to him with real concerns and he disregarded us and basically told us to go do something else and we're like, okay, so. I think
1: it's such a lesson in, in service. I feel like everything you're saying, like if I would pull you know, one key, key teaching out of it, it's when you build something for people, they come. Like you always say build it and they will come. And it's not true. You yeah. have to build something that people want in a way they want it and they will come. And uh, and when you don't, you might start by getting them, but you'll lose in the
0: Absolutely. end. Absolutely. And, and you know what? I'll even say that you and I, we love marketing. That's our thing. And build, you can build it. They won't come unless they know about it. And that's the kind of thing about like I wrote the book and I used the marketing principles that I had for starting businesses and helping people brand their things. I used that to my book, but I couldn't say that I worked on books until I proved it. So I said, you know what, there's a lot of parallels here. Let me, let me market my book. So when I wrote that book, I marketed, I pre-marketed it for six months, giving people tidbits and keeping them involved in the project and sharing updates. And here's a bunch of cover designs, help you guys help me pick the one, even though I knew it wasn't one I was going to pick. It was like, <laughs> I had like 15 of them and everybody's like, oh yeah, yeah. And, and some of them were like bogus for fun, just to like create laughter and, you know, inner engagement. So I was like, okay, all these things are great marketing tactics. And, and here's the thing, like I'm looking at my vision board, which is the backdrop of my computer right now. And the. And it's, it's pictures of places I want to visit, cars that I still want to buy, homes that I like to live in. It's the lifestyle I have in ten years. But right in the middle, I stuck Amazon number one bestseller—the logo, the gold crest that you see on a lot of things. Yeah, I stuck that on there before I typed the very first word of the book. So, and and I published this in my group. I said, "This is my vision board," and everybody saw it. So I basically said, "That's what I'm going to do." And I wrote the book and it became a number one bestseller in nine hours after launch. It sold over a thousand copies in the first week. But that's a testament to the marketing of that. Because it's like you said, I could have built the very best book in the world. Like you got one on the back shelf. I see four hour work week because I understand that color combo. I have the same book on my shelf.
1: Yeah, I've never read it, but I, I intended to.
0: <laughs> it's a good book.
1: The ones on the top are the ones I actually didn't read yet. The ones on the bottom are red. Those sit up there to remind got me it. Them.
0: I get it. Yeah, I have the same thing. I have my nightstand is the books that I'm still finishing and the the ones on the shelf behind me are the ones that I've finished. Yeah. So but I get it. It's I could have wrote the very best book in the world, but if nobody would have knew about it, then it wouldn't matter. And that's what most people don't realize is the marketing value and the business principles that go into marketing anything or building your personal brand. Like they all apply to anything that requires marketing. So once it became number one, I was like, Well, I guess I know how to write a best selling book too. Like You know, but I had to validate that. I couldn't like make that bold claim before it happened. So, you know, marketing, build it, and they will come only if they know about it. (laughs) For sure. So
1: what are some of your favorite marketing strategies for for people who are just getting started? And and you and I both share this love for like not throwing money at problems or or things just to try to make them work. So what are kind of, you know, these, the the back hacks, the low cost stuff, like what are your favorite marketing things? I don't even want to say tools, things.
0: I think I think the number one problem I see with people doing social media marketing, because that's what I love to do, is social media. I'm very active on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Those are my three. The number one thing I see people doing wrong, and I've helped many clients, I've got an entrepreneurship group, almost 3,000 people now, and we're always sharing ideas in there. And It's free for your listeners if they want to join. It's called 365 Driven Entrepreneurs. Come find it, but we share and I and I teach a lot of these people because a, a lot of times people who are new to business they don't understand marketing principles very well. Usually, people start businesses because they're good at some kind of a knowledge or skill set, but they don't understand business, and that's why they hire people like yourself or myself to give them that business insight. But what they do is they, they stick product in people's face all the time. They're always like, buy, 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 buy this, buy this. Here's all the features it has. This is why it's so awesome, and this is why I'm awesome, and and nobody buys their stuff and they're like, man, I don't know, my, my label looks good and I'm, I'm always posting about it and I was like, that's why they're not buying it from you and they don't get that because they're still in the 1980s, 1990s billboard advertising market mindset where you just plaster it on a billboard or the side of the building and then people will drive by and see it and then they buy it. That's the old way of thinking but nowadays with social media, we are severely disconnected from people who do that And it becomes spammy and you just disregard that. It's just like you're like when you drive nowadays, you don't look at billboards. You're just, you kind of block them out. You just, unless there's something. I do because I'm
1: obsessed with all forms of marketing, but your average person probably doesn't.
0: Yeah. If it's amazing billboard, it'll grab my attention. But I'd say 90%, I kind of just blur out. Yeah. And that's the way most people's, Facebook feeds and Instagram feeds are too. If they just see an ad come by with a product sticking in their face and that's like a photo of a product, like people are like yawn and they just keep scrolling past. It's like almost like subconsciously they don't even see it. How many times have you seen like the little survey that pops up on your Facebook once in a while It's like, do you recall seeing an ad for men's something or, you know, I mean, it's, Facebook's asking. I had it
1: on my ways actually. Yeah. I was driving. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm driving.
0: Yes. Get
1: out of my... I'm trying to follow the map, get off my screen. I hate the ads, I hate the surveys, I hate all of it.
0: Yep. But when I'm driving, so
1: I don't want you to pop up anything on my map, okay? It's always
0: it's always when you stop. Waze does it when you pull up to a stop, it like pops up an ad now. So yeah, that is annoying, but-
1: Super annoying. And then so, so a up a survey, a did you see our ad on? I'm like, oh no, I ignore all your ads.
0: Yeah, no, and I don't want to tell you how good your app is and give you a rating right now I'm driving. So yeah.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I don't want to tell you my opinion. I don't want to take even your two-minute survey because all your two-minute... And I, the the, the worst of all, because this is where you get into the liars, right? Is they take our two-minute survey. And sometimes like if I really was pleased with an experience somewhere, I'm like, okay, I'll I'll give you that as a present back, fine. Mm -hmm. And then it's like two minutes, three minutes, four minutes. I'm like, why are there 50, 100 screens on this? This is not two minutes.
0: Yeah. So terrible terrible bait and switch exactly so yeah that's number one mistake organic social media marketing and you're pushing product 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 you should be selling on an emotional thing you should be selling you as the personal brand rather than talking about products because that's the beauty of social media especially if you use a personal profile that's unlocked which i recommend if you're a business owner and you're using a private facebook page terrible idea there you go again like nobody sees it it's like, why are you even doing it? It's, it's stupid. So there's still a lot of people out there with the old fashioned thinking. that think they have privacy and they're like, well, I only use Facebook profile for my family and my friends. And and, and you're like, but you're trying to market your stuff on it and, and run your promote your business. Like nobody's seeing it, man. It's like, what are you doing? Go like yeah. that. Go create another Facebook profile if you want to have it just for your family and friends. But we need to talk about business. And if you want to make money, we got to do it the right way. So here's how to do that. So, Talk about things other than just the product. Sell people on the, the results they're going to get rather than the features that are, are related to your product, your service. And then also do things to inspire, educate, or entertain people. Those are the three things that I always go back to. It has nothing to do with your product. You'll see, like on my, on my feed, 90% of my posts have nothing to do with my books or my coaching or my program or anything. It's about my lifestyle, the things I'm thinking about, general opinions asking people questions. I'm always creating engagement. I usually get about 200 to 300 people that respond or like to every single post I make on Facebook nowadays. And it's with 5,000 people. So I got a really high engagement because I understand that most people want to voice themselves or their opinion. So I give them an opportunity. A lot of people think that their Facebook or their Instagram is a megaphone and they're going to stand up there and pound their chest and just talk about themselves the whole time. But that's not very interesting because everybody's doing that. So when you open up your stage, which is your social media platform, and you invite them to come on your stage to give their answer about themselves, people love those opportunities because they love to talk about themselves. And if you invite them to do that, guess what? 150 people later will have responded to your post. And that means everybody else that they know will also see their engagement. It'll get placed in front of more people on an organic reach. And you'll see thousands of people will come across your post instead of, 50. So there's ways to do that. There's ways to be, defeat the algorithm, but do it genuinely. Just just have fun with it. Don't think it's like business, business, business.
1: Totally. Totally, totally. People use it. I, I agree with you. And I see people either use it just for personal, like you're saying, right? Like I'm there, you know, it, it says in my profile that I do this um, or they, they like just blast it like Like it's billboards, like it's print ads Um, Um, and and social media is about being social. I always talk about it as a party. It's about being at the party, about conversing at the party. Um, But here's a question because I get a lot of people who honestly, they hate social media. mm -hmm. They they go on as observers. They don't mind, but they don't like, you know, you can call them introverts. You could say it's low self-esteem. It doesn't really matter, but they don't like at quote unquote putting themselves out
0: there. Good topic
1: get that a lot. So, and and I agree with you that if you, you do like putting yourself out there and, you know, the three platforms that are king for sales are LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, like Twitter's great for meeting people, but yeah. I, I like to say each party's different, right? So LinkedIn's the networking event. Facebook is the reunion party. Instagram's the coffee shop and people close deals in all those kinds of places. Mm-hmm. Twitter to me is the street corner. People don't going yeah. to really close deals in the street corner, typically, unless you know they're passing drugs. So like, Twitter, maybe you could sell drugs, but not much else. Um, it's, not, it's not great for sales. Even the people I know that are super active there. They, they get great audiences. It's not structured in the way that, that makes it great for sales. Um, so these are amazing for people who are comfortable being out there if they find their place on one of these platforms. What about someone who says what I just said? I'm like putting myself out there. Now what?
0: I have the exact relatable story to that, and I'm gonna help them with that. Let's, let's both conquer this mindset because it's a self-limiting belief is what it is. And I'll tell you, I'm an alpha dude, car guy, fitness guy. And I'll tell you three years ago and, and earlier that, if for example, if we saw some dude doing a selfie, you know, doing a selfie or a photo, like the car guys and the alpha dudes, they wouldn't make fun of that. They'd be like, man, look at that guy. He's looking like he's acting like a teenage girl. And, and if there's men listening to this show, they're probably nodding their heads like, yeah, man like dude's doing selfies. That's pretty sissy. You know, they're, it's like this alpha <laughs> ego thing, right? But then you realize, once you can push away that stupid self-limiting belief, because that's what that is as well. You start to realize that the people who are living the lifestyles that you truly want as an influencer, who are making the multi-millions, who are putting themselves out there, who are the celebrities doing these different things, sharing their lifestyles on Insta stories or Facebook or things like that. They're doing exactly opposite of the critics. And you'll find that the critics tend to not have anything close to that kind of lifestyle. So you start to do the simple math here. It's like, wait a minute, if I want to do what that person is doing, then I probably should be doing something similar to what they're doing and not what the critics are doing. So that was a a reality check for me. Two years ago, if you go back on, on my social media from June of 2017 and earlier, you rarely saw photos of me unless my wife was taking them and usually when on vacation she would take photos and i would be like begrudgingly going, ah, crap. Yeah, I guess I got to get in a photo. But the thing is, is I, I didn't have the confidence to stand in front of the lens and I wasn't comfortable being in front of the lens. The voice that you're hearing today on this microphone was not the voice I had two years ago. I invested heavily in getting public speaking training, working with coaches, just doing reps, doing many, many speeches, doing many, many videos almost 80 episodes of my own podcast, been interviewed on over a hundred shows now. I had to do the repetitions to get, be, to become the person I needed to become to tell my story and to serve my audience. So there's a lot of people, I'm an introvert as well. And I think you are as well, even though we can operate I, it. I'm actually, can operate.
1: It's so funny that you say that because almost no one guesses that I'm an extroverted introvert. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We, we learn to operate, but we're perfectly fine in solitude and we get energy being alone. Right
1: correct if i'm like my favorite thing about traveling to conferences is the flight afterwards where nobody talks to me there and i can recover and i'm always flying far typically cuz i'm over here in la and most of the stuff i'm doing is east coast or or farther right mm-hmm. I'm, I'm heading out to europe in um in a month or so and and i love I love the conference. I love the activity. I like, I forget to eat. I get totally immersed in the people. It's amazing. And I, the article that I found once it was, it was called, are you an extrovert or introvert? I'm like, I don't know. And I read it and I'm like, yes. That's it. And that's exactly what it is. Like I totally hit off it, but at my core, when I'm done, I must go sit in quiet.
0: Yeah, or but even I- just go back to your hotel room in the middle yes. of the conference and like just lay on the bed with nothing turned on for 30 minutes and recharge. I do,
1: I, do. I totally do that. I, yep. I did that the last conference I spoke at, right before I went on stage, I, they had me in one-on-ones like the whole day also, I, I told them <laughs> oh, I would man. do that as well, but I told them, you must block out the hour around my speaking, because for half hour before and half hour afterwards, I'm on my own,
0: Yeah. and it's exactly yeah. what I did,
1: I went up to my hotel room and I sat and I like kind of meditated and I like, did my yeah. thing, because I can't go from interactive to stage.
0: Mm-mm your mind's all jammed up. It's, you're, you feel like you're depleted on your energy, but so yeah, that's, that's how people need to understand is like, you need to ask yourself who the right version of you needs to be to be able to do the life and pursue the life or the businesses that you really mean. So if if business is very important to you and the success is very important to you, you got to do what's going to take. And you have to be honest with yourself, like you're not the right person right now, but you can become that. So you're hearing someone like me that's standing on stages doing things like USD. It's, these are skills. These are not talents. A lot of people assume they hear us talking and being very animated and, and and sharing all this information. Like this is not a talent. We weren't born this way. This is something we both decided, you know, I need to get right, better at this. was
1: born this way. Like, a little bit.
0: I wasn't, I definitely <laughs> wasn't. I've, I even gave a speech in Toastmasters Monday about this because I've only been doing it two years. And I said, you know, what, might, before this, I was so monotone because dudes, we speak monotone. Like if you would have interviewed me two years ago, this is how I would have sound. I would go into that character. I've been like, hey, SD, that's, that's great. Thank you for having me on the show. I can't wait to share information with people. And I really find uh, you get some value out of this. So it's very monotone. <laughs> wasn't even one, one, volume, <laughs> one volume, one volume, one tone. And that's how most dudes speak, like conversational.
1: Yeah, that's. I had to go learn. I
0: had to go learn to be animated and use vocal variety and pacing and pauses and emphasizing. Now you become more engaging when you speak. You sound like somebody that's actually on TV or on the radio speaking. Those are skills you learn. So don't think that you can't do it. You can go do it. You can learn it. You can practice it. Guarantee you'll get better. Most people can start doing videos. And if you do one video per day and really push yourself, it's not going to be comfortable. You will be a lot better in seven days that quickly. Seven days, you'll get even better in seven months, but one week can make a huge difference and most people underestimate that.
1: Totally, even my early videos. So again, like a little bit, I was born this way. Like my parents say, I don't remember this, but they told me I was speaking full sentences at one years old. I have kids, my two year olds don't do that. Like, so like there's definitely like a, a certain element. <laughs> <laughs> that came um, with it. I was like performing as a kid, whatever. But, so it, it's something that I've always enjoyed. Um, but I also, um, this is something not a lot of people know, except for all my listeners now, but I've worked with speaker coaches. Mm-hmm. I've been working with speaker coaches for, let's go back how many years? At least 10 years professional speaker trainers, um, which has completely honed my skill, upgraded my skills. If you look at some of my early social videos, like, uh, I even, even my first few podcast episodes, like I could hardly listen to them. I'm like, oh, it's so awkward. <laughs> you know? um, but yeah, that repetition is such a big deal. So I, I would say that for anyone who does want to get out there, like I agree, you can do anything. I always say you can climb any ladder, just not 14 rungs at a time.
0: <laughs> That's true.
1: So like, step-by-step, step, you do it. Little bits at a time, you can get anywhere. But I, I want to say there really are people who don't want that. They don't want it.
0: Then what do they want? The thing is, is they
1: want that, that to sell, sell stuff. They don't want to They They want to sell stuff. It's not them they want to sell. And and so here's the question. And this is, this I think is a, is a really big question for us to tackle, you know, where we're at in 2019 can you get away with that if you're in service? If you're in product, you can. It's hard because your product has to be so way stellar or your brand story that you build into the product or or, or um, that that it speaks for itself, which is a very big deal. But let's say service providers, anything from massage therapists to dentists, can you sell today if you're not selling yourself?
0: I think if you can't do it yourself, you're going to have to hire somebody else to be the face of that brand. That's just, it's a human factor. It's social. People like to resonate with a story or people. And even when I go to visit any kind of website, if I don't see a face on that website, that tells me right away that they're hiding, there's something insecure about the design. Because psychology, if they would have just talked to somebody that's good at marketing, they know that faces sell. That needs to be a human factor on every website, regardless of the product. So totally. Our ability
1: to recognize faces is better than our ability to recognize anything else. And we process images what, I forgot how many exponentially times faster than yeah, um, yeah. And faces are the things that we process and recognize the best.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's another thing. When I see people using social media and they don't use an actual profile photo themselves, they have like an, a logo or just some cartoon character, or a dog. It's like what are you hiding? It's like, you already tell me right now, you're, there's something insecure about you and, or you're wearing sunglasses in your profile pic, like that's a bad idea, kind of it hurts trust factor.
1: And it's sometimes, sometimes it's cultural or societal, sometimes it's age. And I've seen it in both directions actually, right? The whole age discrimination, like someone who mm-hmm. looks too young or someone who looks too old, you know? And, and, and it's the same thing that we're saying, which is lean into who you are. So you mm-hmm. look like you're 15 and you're 30. Okay.
0: Just own it. That's, that's the face you walk around with all day. You know, and that's, that's the thing is like a lot of people when they're doing videos or getting on social media, like, hey, Tony, I don't like the way I sound and recorded voice. I don't like the way I look. And I said, well, do you ever go out in public? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, do you have any friends or family that you talk to? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, well, that's the face they see and that's the voice they hear. Like, that's like nobody that knows you is going to hear that voice and go, man, that's a different voice. Because the thing is, is the recorded voice is actually our real voice to other people we sound different to ourselves because our voice is like echoing inside our skull. I know. It's so
1: weird. It's it's
0: so so weird. So the voice that you record is what everybody already hears. That's how you already sound. So if anything, the voice that you hear is the weird voice, not the one they hear. So they're going to be perfectly fine knowing what your mannerisms are, what your, how you appear, what your hair looks like. Like they already know, like they're not going to be like, well, that's different. So totally. It's so funny it. that you
1: say that because I, most of my clients are not in LA, so I sit on video conference almost all day, and I say I'm like a hairdresser. Like no one should have to look themselves as often as I do. Like the only other person I think that does is like hairdressers. They look in the mirror all day as they're mm-hmm. doing like styling for other people. Um, but it's yeah, exactly that. You know, and, and I will say like having done this for a while now, I, I see and listen to myself way more than I think anyone ever should have to <laughs> see or listen to themselves. You get used to it.
0: Yeah. And and I think it's also when you're, when you're also on the improvement journey, which is never ending, we're always looking for ways to enhance our message or get better at what we do. So that's important. And just the, the vocabulary that you use, sometimes you reach too far and sometimes you don't reach far enough. And sometimes you stumble on your words, but you always just try to improve. So you become hypercritical of how you sound and your communication style, but that's, that's normal if you're trying to get better.
1: Totally. They always say like, you know, like why are beauty mirrors magnifying? right? Because you, you want to see all those details. Cause that's, that's how you quote unquote, reach perfection. I just had to mock that. Sorry. Um, but it's the same idea, right? You, you want to catch those nuances because if you're on that journey of growth, that's the only way you're going to get better is if you catch that. I love that.
0: And I think today, yeah. perfection is not popular. Perfection was popular no. about 10 years ago. It's
1: really not anymore.
0: Today, although, everybody... although that
1: ugly trend, like the social media, like ugly trend that was combating it like that died.
0: Yeah. That was, that was kind of weird too. It was
1: pretty short lived. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, people still like looking at pretty pictures better. Um, so yeah, like
0: be yourself, you know, like it. you only got the body that you're in right now. So it's, you might as well just use what you got. And yeah. if you're not happy with physical you know, attributes of your body, go fix those too. I mean, hell yeah, authenticity
1: is super in like you know, that. I will say like right now, what I would say is trending the most. Everyone's always like, what's trending? What's trending? I'm like, authenticity is trending.
0: Absolutely. And, and I don't think it's ever going to go away because I think that's what people are craving now because it's like we're, we're so we talked about the show. when We opened about fakery. It's like people are very skeptical about things because we're inundated by all this fakery. So authenticity is like always good, especially when it's it's backed up by people third party. So like if you came out and say you're authentic and then someone that knows you 10 years ago, yeah, she's like that. That's like, boom, there it is. It's like I'm not faking it. I'm actually just being myself
1: totally. And it's so funny that you say that cuz recently um, I was I was speaking at a conference and uh, two people who I knew from my high school days were there. And they were going around like, "Oh yeah, like I know I see since high school. Yeah, this is just her." <laughs> and it's exactly that. You're like, "Really?" Like that like really. And and it adds so much and and just just being you, you know, I'm working with a couple of clients. A lot of the work that we do on branding is very deep work. Um, our group program, actually, some of the feedback that's coming through, people are like, we didn't realize this was so deep. Like we didn't realize this was so real. Like we thought it was just like another marketing program. I'm like, no, you no one needs another marketing program. <laughs> you need mine, which is, it's really deep. It's really, it's finding yourself and your mission and what you want to shine. And then the audience and building it, out. like this is legit business. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of the feedback coming back is like, I feel like I need a whole overhaul of everything, you know, like, no. but when you find yourself, it's just, it's, here's the example. A lot of people give the example of the onion. Yeah. It's peeling away the layers. Mm-hmm. I don't love it because onions are kind of smelly. Like it's not that it's not true, but I'll tell you the example that I like to give. And I, I did a whole class on this. It's a diamond and it's facets, right? So the, you're in the middle, right? You're the, the light that shines out or that reflects, you know, through you, but, and they're all different facets of your personality. Right. And so you reflect one way in your personal life and one way in your business life and one way with certain people and one way with other people and, and one way in your life. And that's okay. You're still you. As long as you're always being you and you're not, you know, like a, a dirty diamond, or you're take a sharpie and try to paint over it and draw on it. Um, it's okay if there's different aspects, different facets. You know, one of the things we were doing in the coaching this week with the with the group program, um, a lot of people get stuck on their on their core brand because they take it so personally right and Mm -hmm. i think this relates so nicely back to what you were saying is just get out there get out there and one of the things that that i realized was getting my people stuck was like your business does not have to be the totality of yourself it's one aspect it's one thing you want it's one reflection it's one facet and that's okay, and and it's so much easier than because you can depersonalize it a little bit, even as you get out there and you're personal, but you mm-hmm. can depersonalize it so people, when they when they reject you, quote unquote, yeah, it's not you, they don't want the thing you're selling, okay, and and I think it's such a fine line that that we do have to tread today, and it's it's a big deal. It's, know, the world just gets more fun and more complicated at the same time.
0: <laughs> Human psychology rules with the marketing. I love it. It's it's fascinating.
1: Oh, for sure, that's my favorite part of it. Yeah. I read psychology books for fun. They're marketing textbooks.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. They're, they're, they're labeled as marketing books, but they're really human psychology and behavior books
1: and, and, and <laughs> backward. Yeah. On, on Both ends. Um, so, so this is, uh, we could talk about this forever, but I, I want to know cause I always want to know what's the current struggling. What, what is the current business doing? I know you're guiding entrepreneurs and you're helping people build businesses. You've got the community. What are you doing with it? And, and where are you struggling in it at the stage level you've reached?
0: So I'm in the six-figure range for one-on-one coaching programs. Again, I've only been doing it two years. The first year I didn't pay myself. I basically helped 22 people start their first company to really get down the processes and make sure that they could be multiplied over and over. And it did. They all started their companies. Then I started charging and now I'm doing that pretty well. But as you see, one-on-one doesn't scale very well. And I know that it's also starting to go higher ticket because as I get more demand, I'm charging more. That's just a given and it's going to always increase but i don't have the entry level market covered with an automated type online course yet that's something i'm building and i don't have a middle middle tier maybe like a, a group mastermind group so those are the things i want to build out but the thing is i'm very conscious about a lot of quality aspects of the things i produce and i put my name on so i'm not going wanting to just throw some half assed thing out there and just stick my name on it so i'm very i'm probably just overly critical of the things that i want to roll out I started to build a team. I've got a podcast editor doing my podcast now, and I've got a video editor and I need to get a VA soon. So it's, it's, it's just choreographing all these moving parts while still being a one-on-one coach. So the struggle is just too many things on the plate while I'm also running two other companies.
1: But what so- are the other two companies that you're still running? Cause you sold the car site one. What are the other two things you're running?
0: So there was a spin-off from the car site that I started doing retail online drop shipping for high-end wheels. So it's about $800,000 a year in revenue and I spend 15 minutes a day on it. So once it's online. We just, I I
1: did a pause. Everyone absorb please cuz I think this is part of what helps change people's mindsets that they know that this is even possible. Cuz mm-hmm. 15 minutes a day, $800,000 a year. Everyone absorb. This is possible.
0: It's absolutely possible.
1: Okay cool now you can move on that was the other one
0: <laughs> yeah so but it doesn't build a legacy and that company doesn't scale to the things that I want to achieve and I just didn't want to like end, you know get to the end of my life and just be known as this a wheel sales guy I mean this sounds fits funny but it's a business and my average ticket's about five thousand dollars a purchase so that's why it gets the revenue pretty high that's been about 12 years now that I've had that business so it's been steady in the background it's always been the side hustle it's earned millions on its own it's you know so it's kind of just uh, a continuation of being in the industry plus i love cars so i like being in the industry which is another reason i keep a business in that the other one is a startup manufacturing company that we're doing carbon fiber composites i've got one partner in vancouver and we're going to be building automotive wheels out of carbon fiber composites to hopefully get into the oems we're building that company purely to scale up sell and 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 have a pretty large exit plan hopefully so different strategies with that one that one's about a year and a half in we're about to hit production at the end of this year So things are going on. There's always something going on. There's a lot of joint ventures people want me to be involved with. Nowadays, I have to say no a lot of times unless my heart's really in it. But my passion, my legacy will be the impact that I leave for this coaching and helping people become more confident, helping them start businesses. Because my purpose is that I want to improve the generational legacy of millions of people. And the best ways for me to serve millions of people is by teaching them the confidence that I've earned. And also the business mindset and the strategies I've learned over the last 20 years of ownership. So that's the best way I'm going to impact this world. So I'm just like going all in and doing that.
1: I love that. So here's, here's what like kind of glares out at me. And I always find that like it's so hard to see it when it's you. Um, I feel like you're so much yourself. Everything you've done is so you. And it's this thing with like I should build a mastermind and an entry level of this. You're, just, you're trying to be someone else because that's what everyone else does and it's not it's not working for you because it's not your natural flow and so it's not just coming to you easy mm-hmm. why don't you just be you if, if there was no industry quote unquote for this and and this is always what annoys me everyone's like oh well, there's the industry i gotta do it like this guys like that and you know, try to fit yourself into a box when you're a round peg it, it doesn't fit well and us entrepreneurs we are round pegs and <laughs> we spent our lives being shoved into square boxes and holes. And it was very unpleasant. And as entrepreneurs, I feel like, like you said, you know, people still have a little bit of that employee mindset. I feel like we still have that like round peg square hold mindset mm-hmm. and, and you don't have to. So if you were to just be you and serve this audience in the best way you could, and there are people in this audience who need your help, who A, you don't have time for, and B, couldn't afford you as a one-on-one, what could you offer them? Forget what the industry does. What could you offer them?
0: Well, I guess it would just be the online courses that I want to help people. with. It's the only way I can scale my time. So the message to me is I'd like to be able to scale to millions of people to help them achieve their dreams in their life. Because I know that even with my first company, I've built 12 millionaires in that first company because they were just starting their business within my business. So when your dream is bigger than you, and that's another tip that I'll share with this listener base is that your brand, the things that you build need to become much bigger than yourself. There's too many people that start companies with themselves at the top of the pyramid and their company never scales larger than them as a person, as an individual. I'm the other way around. I like to have the pyramid upside down. I like to be the person that's holding the pyramid up above my head with the base on the top part. So I always want to build something much bigger than me. 365 driven. I'm building a movement, a mantra. I want people to be able to walk around and say, Hey, I am 365 driven and believe that and understand what the core values of that is. So I'm big on building communities, but I'm not so egotistical that I need to sit at the top of the pyramid and beat my chest like a king. So I that's, love how that. that's, that's how I'm That upside
1: down pyramid it. visual is so cool. I've never heard that. That's yeah,
0: amazing. I support the community. I put them first. I know the rewards always come back around. That's a given, but it's all based on the value you create in this world.
1: So if you want to end up with an online course and you've got this massive community, and you've got people who definitely want to work with you, who you don't have time for, who can't afford it. Yeah. What could you do within the next two weeks? That would bring want, you- That's already the
0: plan. That's that's July's project. I'll be doing the videos and, and starting to build the fully automated course.
1: Well, why would But I, I want to do
0: like a 12 week course on just starting the first business to really give a lot of value on how to well, create- Why would
1: you build the videos first? See, this is what kills me with the online programs. Why would you build the course first?
0: Because I, don't ha- I, guess I, don't- I-, I guess I don't have an offer otherwise. I mean, what do. would you sell? You do. I'm going to show you
1: what you have. You have a community of people. Mm-hmm. You have exactly the solution they need in your head and in your heart. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is tell them, hey, guys, I want to serve you. I've been working on this forever. Um, here's the vision. It can be A or B. Just like your book cover, mm-hmm. right? It could cost B or C. It could work like A cost this, B cost this, like and you and you build out the offers before you actually build them.
0: Oh, I get you. You're doing some market va- pre-evaluation.
1: Eve, and then watch this. And then everyone's gonna pick A or B or C, right? I'm not tearing mm-hmm. it so that they yeah, purposely yeah. pick B. I'm I'm genuinely looking for what they want. And then I say, okay, registration open for the first beta group. I'll build it with you. I'll build it on you. I'll give you all the same tools that I give my, my one-on-one clients. And you will be part of that initial group that helps to build this. X cost, beta offer only who wants in. Boom, revenue. Boom, lockdown commitment because you have to do it because they're showing up every week. Mm-hmm. And boom, the exact course that those people need. And you could have that live in three weeks.
0: I to have to take your challenge on that one. Mm-hmm. I definitely I got the by zoom. the time
1: this episode is published, that course could be already active. You could you could be sitting on six figure plus revenue from it, and then you're locked down, committed to it. And and again, the part of the reason why I'm thinking of this because I did something very similar to mm-hmm. launch mine, very similar, and it was amazing. And you you know I always say like you know I learn there's it's a it's a Hebrew phrase and I forgot it, but basically like I learn from my students most of all. You know, so when you teach something one-on-one and I, we built our marketing um, course is built on the last 10 years of my one-on-one marketing
0: mm-hmm.
1: work, right? And like then, but building it as a group is different and the group gives you feedback. Hey, I see like, you know, when you work one-on-one with someone, maybe it's like this, but as the group, we need X. <sighs> mm-hmm. Good point. And I'm there with you and there, and, and then I have no choice but to show up every week and give them what I told them I would give them rather than sitting on my own and saying, I got to build this. I got to build this. I got to yeah. build this. No,
0: Speaking just, to a lonely just, camera.
1: Yeah. There's First of all, the energy is totally different. Think of it all, there, there's 50, hundred, however many people you get in, you've got a large following and community. Mm-hmm. They're waiting for you every week. You're going to show up and you're going to build exactly what they need. And they're going to tell you if you're off at all and you're going to fix it. And by the way, by the time you're done with those 12 weeks, it's done. It's automated, and if it needs fixing, you'll do another beta group.
0: Good, good ideas, good ideas. I, I think I was just overthinking the, the production quality.
1: It is, and you know what? Yeah. There's no reason not. To, there's no reason to do that until version three.
0: That's true. You, you, can, always, you, you can always update it. as you go. Once you it's, as you go. that's what another mentor has. Like you just got to get it going, and it's not going to be perfect, and you just can update as you go because even. He's like, even Grant Cardone and stuff like that, they're always updating their old videos. They're just, that's just an ongoing process.
1: Totally. And I see it as, as someone who's in this now, I see it, right? We've already mm-hmm. done two cohorts. And for the third, I'm gonna be updating all the trainings, but I don't plan on going to professional studio recording till at least yeah. version four or five, because It's not that the material is changing so much. Yes, as marketing changes, we add add add-ons and updates. Hey, Facebook's now doing this, especially with the digital stuff. We're always updating that, keeping everyone up to date. But even just the way I'm teaching it, like I had one way that I was explaining SEO. And in the first cohort, people totally got it. In this last cohort, people are like, you know, that phrase is confusing to us. I was like, really? Cool. I'll change it. I want you to understand. They said, how about this? I said, great. I'm teaching it different now. Hmm. And why should I lock down, pay thousands of dollars for professional recording, and then everyone says, hey, I see, we don't really understand this phrase. Why not teach it a bunch of times while I'm earning money and everyone else is growing their business until I really feel that it's gotten to the place that everyone gets it? Then go play with the production quality. The value is not on the production quality. It's in the teachings.
0: Got it. Got it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. So I'm just overthinking it. Yeah. Typical Typical problems, right?
1: yeah. Yeah. No more overthinking. Go do it. I challenge you that by the time this episode goes live, people are going to go and they're going to look at it and they're going to see that your course is up. All right. Yes. Okay. So on that note, where can everybody find you and find out about your course that's going to be going live around the time this episode goes live?
0: (laughs) My website is 365driven.com. So 365driven.com. You'll see I'm very active on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. All the links are there. The link to my book and my podcast are all on that one website
1: amazing all right guys so we'll put that link to 365driven.com also tony had mentioned his facebook group 365 driven entrepreneurs i'll stick that link on to if you go to sdran.com 70 70. Seventy. it's such a big number it is seven is my favorite number um because it's just it's it's the center of everything right there's six directions and seven is what holds it together seventh is the center
0: I, it's I, fun that you and i are about the same video account for the podcast. I think I just released 72 this week. So yeah, we're, we're like right there.
1: Yeah. It's cool stuff. I, and, and we've beat out what 85, 90% of podcasters.
0: 95. I think most get the pod fade happens at seven episodes or less.
1: <laughs> yeah. Basically yeah, we're, we're, we've, we've 10 X that.
0: Yeah. 10 X the pod fade, man. <laughs> All
1: right guys. So go check out Tony. So Tony, I like to surprise my guests at the end. Without warning, and ask them for a quote because I love quotes. And uh, it does not have to be a favorite one of all time, although it can be. Um, or just something top of mind or that you want to share a little pithy wisdom to send people on their way.
0: My favorite quote is the one that I actually put in my book, and it's fear and confidence are both decisions. You simply decide which one to live with.
1: I like that. Fear and confidence are both decisions. You simply decide which one to live with. Totally. Every day. Every every day. Wherever you're going to go, you can go in one way or the other. Either you're afraid or you're confident. I love that. That's super cool. Amazing. All right, guys, go check out Tony. That was super fun. And I know that you know someone who needs to hear this. And so what you're going to do now is you're going to take a second. You're going to think, who needs to hear this episode? Who needs to know more about turning something into an online course? Who needs to know more about creating a side hustle that it could spend 15 minutes or an hour on a day and put in bombs of money? Who needs to learn more about what it means to get out there on social? Who needs this confidence boost? Who needs to hear about Tony? You know somebody. So you're gonna take a second and you're gonna share this with them. You can share it on your social channels to everybody, but I want you to share the wealth with at least one person because I want to spread the information, spread the inspiration, and I know that you know someone who needs it. So stop what you're doing. Pull over at the side of the road. Stop jogging. Stop washing dishes. I don't know what you're doing. Whatever. Wake up from your half stupor of ecstasy at the end of this episode and go and share this with someone who needs it at sdrand.com slash 17 or iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you're hearing it. And we will catch you next week. Tony, thank you.
0: Thank you for having me on.
1: Absolute pleasure.
0: You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business,
1: reach out at sdran.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle, what's yours?